Hello, I am co-host Brooklyn Arroyo, and this is 100 Alumni Voices podcast, Stories That Inspire, where we explore the personal and professional journeys of a diverse group of 100 doctoral alumni from Johns Hopkins University. Today, we're joined by Anushka Akil, PhD in Health, Behavior, and Society. How are you, Anushka? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm also doing well. I'm ready to go back to my term of school. I'm a week out and ready for spring semester. Um, So let's just jump right in. And I'd love to hear about why you pursued your PhD in Health, Behavior, and Society. That's a great question. I, um, so I think a lot of this goes back into why I pursued a PhD in general. Um, I, I got into public health largely because, um, you know, as a, as a Pakistani immigrant, I mean, the expectation was to become a medical doctor. I was not fulfilling that ambition. And, um, you know, I, I knew of public health, uh, it's, kind of in the family and had to pursue that. So I, and the long-winded story does get to a point, but I pursued public health because it felt like it was going to go somewhere. And I knew eventually I had to be a doctor to make my parents happy. Um, And so I did my master's and I started working uh, actually. And I really enjoyed the work that I was doing. And I thought that I didn't need to pursue a doctorate degree. Um, I was a program coordinator for a research study. Um, uh, and in that position, um, one of the PI, it was a multi-site study. And one of the PIs uh, said, as I was offering some feedback was that, you know, your, your, your opinions are very useful, Anushka, but um, you don't have a doctorate degree to be at a decision le- level making point. And uh, that moment I felt like, wow, I might, I, I need that PhD to be at the table so that my voice can be taken more seriously. Um, it was both disappointing, but also kind of the catalyst needed to move forward and propel me to go ahead and pursue a PhD. Um, I focused on social sciences because um, I've always, I've always been interested in um, understanding uh, social uh, determinants of health and systemic issues around oppression and how that kind of influences uh, the ways in which we exist and how it influences our health behaviors. Um, so I looked at various different programs across the country and Hopkins was one of them um, where they were looking um, at some of the topics that I was interested in. So um, HBF uh, was a department where I was interested. Uh, it had a couple of people working on topics I was interested in and that's how I landed here. Or there, not that I'm here anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think that it's really interesting how you brought up the experience with being told that you wouldn't necessarily have an effective or a, a seat in general at the table without your PhD. So I'd love to talk more about how you felt within that and, and whether you had a moment where you wanted to combat that almost, or did you just automatically say, okay, well, I guess I need to get my PhD. So here's the context I think is important is I was working 
uh, with a trans and non-binary um, on a research project that focused on trans and non-binary um, health over a lifespan. And when we work with, well, I mean, not that not all pub public health work tends to be with marginalized communities, but um, these were communities that I, I'm, the queer and trans communities that I'm a part of, and they were, you know, m my my friends who were coming in and doing a lot of the 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 research, and so I my 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 instinct to to be combative was tempered very quickly with I know I didn't have power because it was you know choose your battle mm -hmm. so I felt in that moment when I was told that it was kind of like a slap to the face and like huh <laughs> like I I was just reminded that oh I have no power but I can still make other demands um, you know, like we need different type of security. We need to have different protocols, but uh, change around survey questions or our qualitative data collection um, uh, questions, those kinds of methodological concerns, I did not have power mm -hmm. to influence change. And so I think it was both, a, I think I was just, I was, it was a combination of just being extremely humiliated and also recognizing that I mean, I, I don't know if I can say this, but I had a fully a few moment, right? Like I was like, great, I am so embarrassed, but let me show you. Um, and I don't think ultimately that I ended up showing this person anything. This person probably does not even remember me <laughs> in any way, shape or form. Um, but I think it just made it very clear that all the barriers that are in front of the people who should be doing the research on their own communities. Um, and, you know, I'm already so privileged and it was just, it's just, I think that was probably, if anything, the start to the end of my relationship with doing research and showed me very, um, led me to a path of realizing I am no longer interested in research as much um, because there's just this, um, there's an ivory tower that I did not appreciate. And I think it just, people claimed that they were trying to help other people, but in reality, they were just pushing their own agendas and making themselves look good without actually listening to the people who were doing the work and the people who were being affected by the work. So it was, it was again, very disappointing, very sad. But yeah, I, I, I didn't, I don't recall being angry. I just recall being sad and disappointed and just like having that, the response to, I need to get out of here and I will show you. Definitely. I think that a lot of things that come up in other podcasts or across this series is the idea of mentorship and mm -hmm. something that I think that you've experienced that I truly relate to on a personal level is the idea of almost anti-mentorship by somebody who almost sought to 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 bring you down to your level quote unquote to 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 make you feel less than to and like you said they oftentimes don't even remember really who you are and and yet those are the people that can really um ignite a fire within us and propel us to become even better so i mm -hmm. think that's a, a a beautiful experience in itself but it, it's always rough and i do 
I do relate to, to what you're talking about. So I think that I, to skip ahead for just a moment, I'd like to ask, do you feel that post PhD within the work, you saw a positive impact in sort of like what this person was saying was going to happen? Do you feel that you had that seat at that table or you were beginning to, to get your foot in the door more? Oh, having a PhD has absolutely changed, right? How I'm perceived, how I'm acknowledged. So one of the things I think, so now I, I have a different job now and many people don't know that I have a PhD and it's not something that I go around screaming, oh, I'm a, I have a PhD, right? Mm-hmm. It's not necessary. Um, and a couple of people actually commented because they noted it on my my email signature at work that, oh, I didn't realize that you have, PhD you don't come across as someone who has a PhD and I asked them I was like what is someone who comes across with a PhD right and they're like pretentious oh okay well that's (laughs) I I hope I'm not that right um but I I notice I mean one of the reasons that I was I think the PhD has afforded me a lot of opportunities in that I think I know my subject matter a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, when I tell people, you know, I got my degree at the institution, you know, at Hopkins, people have a certain level of respect. So I definitely acknowledge the power that comes from having a PhD. And I do think for people who are interested in getting the power of those three letters behind their name mm-hmm. should absolutely pursue it the experience of a PhD is a whole different topic I can talk about. And, um, you know, I, I, with a lot of my students and a lot of my colleagues who are interested in or pursuing a PhD, there's many conversations we have. I don't think a PhD is for everyone, but I do think it can be a very useful degree. That being said, I think I also believe that education is not just something that you get in an institution. It is an everyday experience that you get at your work, through your colleagues, through your peers, your family, your friends, et cetera, right? It is having, the PhD is just, um, a lot of it has to do with privilege, circumstance, finances, access. Um, and it's a it's an amalgamation, I hope that's the right word, of, of resources that you may have access to that allows you to get this degree. So, I had all those things. It worked really well for me. At the end of the day, I needed it uh, to move forward in the ways that I do and also to achieve a financial status that I want to achieve that I would not have if I didn't have the PhD. Um, So I pursued a PhD for a lot of reasons. Yes, I was, you know, kind of like that, that I had that catalyst moment, but also ultimately I knew that I wanted to achieve a certain level of clout that I wasn't able to get in my current positions after my master's. Um, And I was struggling with, you know, seeing how I could uh, go beyond that. I also didn't imagine a life outside of having a PhD. Like very early on, you know, once I wasn't doing the medical degree, I had kind of um, outlined this path of, well, I, I, I must, I will eventually get a PhD. And so I I didn't imagine a life outside of it. I think one of the things I really appreciated in my postdoc that I got to do um, after my PhD at Hopkins was seeing that there's a whole other world out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And that to me was very, very important. And I think that is something 
that I'm, I take very seriously and I love to tell everybody and especially, um, you know, younger folks who are finishing college or, or looking at pursuing a master's or a higher degree that you can, you should and can work. And there are jobs in different fields. You should explore different fields. Um, and then afterwards, once you, if you, you know, whatever degree you get, there are a variety of things that you can do just because the, you know, the professors around you had one path or, you know, a few people around you had that one path doesn't mean that that's the only path for you. So make sure that you explore your options. Um, and I didn't, I didn't take the idea of networking very seriously early in my career and in my life um, up until about a year ago. <laughs> but uh, I, I appreciate the importance of networking, not just like a networking for the sake of networking to, you know, um, to get a job, but networking so you can learn from people and you can hear about people's experiences um, and you can just expand your worldview. Um, I think it's beautiful and powerful to do that. Um, and I've learned a lot just from hearing people's uh, stories and kind of try to understand, you know, what would and would not work for me. I mean, if I hadn't, I wouldn't be where I am right now. So um, definitely highly recommend that to folks in the, in who are interested in, you know, pursuing whatever path that they do. Definitely. I think a big part of um, the positive aspects of academia come from the networking aspects of it, of meeting all the other students and all the professors that you would have and all of that. Um, do you feel that in any aspect, just because in before the work that you did before your um, uh, PhD, you were talking about working with um, trans health and, and trans individuals and that sort of research, and then you jumped into health behavior and society. Do you feel that any identities that you hold impacted the work that you did within your PhD or what you strive to study? I know that for many people it does. For me, it definitely does. And I would like to to pry more at, at your thoughts on that. Yes. Um, I did want to quickly say, so you just mentioned, uh, Brooklyn, that, you know, in academia, there's the benefit of seeing what your uh, professors and different experiences have. I would argue that actually... So what my postdoc was looking at was building out programming for doctorate students to experience non-academic careers, because the feedback that we got is they don't know what to do outside of academia. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people, once they finish the PhD program, majority of them end up staying in academia because they don't know what the opportunities are. So I would say that... I think futures is an example. It's how I know about futures is uh, a great example of offering opportunities in different fields, but I don't think that's available across all the schools. So mm -hmm. I would say that uh, depending on which school you're in, you know, that, that may not be as available. Um, that being said, oh, absolutely. So I, I, um, <laughs> uh, my, my opinion is not uh, the most popular opinion, but for me, this was important. So um, I got into uh, queer and trans health research because I'm of the communities. Um, and uh, I had a, I was, I was in the community when I was back in Atlanta. Um, and so I felt comfortable. 
and but my my research interest really for my for my studies was looking at intimate partner violence among South Asian immigrant communities. So that I was like, definitely, you know, I feel part of the community and I wanted to do work uh, when I, you know, with communities that I'm like, when you walk in, you like, look at me and you're like, oh, okay, we're good. Mm-hmm. Came to Baltimore. I didn't find that sense of community in either the South Asian immigrant communities or the queer and trans communities. I couldn't find that bubble that I had built in Atlanta. And um, so I very quickly decided not to pursue my doctorate in those realms because I I, I was like, well, if I'm not of the community, if I can't find my my, my in and I, I yeah, like I it didn't it didn't sit well with me. I did continue working um, on the topics of trans health and non-binary health um, and, you know, uh, connected with the communities a lot, but it still wasn't as um, strong. And so I didn't feel right. Also, the amount of research that's done in the city of Baltimore is very, it's a lot more than Atlanta. So there was a lot of things that shifted my research point. But I started looking at um, in how uh, public health is taught at the school. Um, Mm -hmm. It was actually uh, fueled by a few friends of mine we were all just really frustrated by the curriculum and by how it, public health was being taught and felt that the racist and oppressive and transphobic undertones were uh, uh, too much. And so we were like, well, how can we change that? And so um, uh, a couple of friends, um, Punam Daryani and Deep Powerful, started talking about anti-oppression. And I looked into it more and we started doing workshops around anti-oppression. Um, and then I connected with my mentors, Crystal Lee, Gayla Jacques, and Graham Mooney. Um, and then my uh, advisor, Danielle Germain, um, kind of all just supported me in looking at to how to understand what is anti-oppressive pedagogy and public health. And so that's what I focused on. I felt like this is something I can speak on. This is, you know, it impacts me. Therefore, I can talk about it. Um, so, yeah, I believe that for me, I feel comfortable engaging in research where it either has a direct impact on me or I can speak to it and say that I have experienced this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's what I focused my dissertation on. And again, HBS was a department where I came to because I it had interest. There were people that I was interested in working in. And also it's considered the social justice department at the School of Public Health, um, you know, uh, and so it's where I, I, uh, I connected to. There are other departments that also do that. I would say um, International Health has um, their uh, social and behavioral science track that is also very much on par and does similar work. And so I had mentors from there as well. Um, so, I mean, there's lots of work happening across the school on on topic of, of changing the system. But yeah, that's that's where I landed. I, I don't think it's necessarily specific to health behavior society. I think it's just I was lucky enough to find people who supported my work and I got to do that work. That's excellent. That very excellent. I think that um all the points that you've made today have, have been impactful for me personally to hear um the end result of where you are now. I think that you you've had an amazing experience and and uh, quite the journey within just your PhD in general. Like most people don't really get necessarily all those lessons until after their PhD and they start going into different jobs and sort of things like that. But I think that you've already 
spoke on a lot of great lessons to learn and 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 I appreciated working with you today. So we have one last question that we ask of all interviewees, and that is what inspires you right now? Of course, you would leave the hardest question <laughs> for the end. It's okay, that's uh, what we all do in qual work. Um, what inspires me? Kind of, I you know, honestly, what inspires me is my community. It's the people I'm surrounded by who make me want to be better and do better for, as selfish as it sounds, for a world for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to change systems. I want to see, you know, um, I want to see white supremacy culture ended. I want to see, I want to imagine a new future, a new, a new world. Um, I am not that innovative or creative, um, but I have been lucky and fortunate to be surrounded by innovative, creative, fantastical thinkers who who see beyond um, the bullshit of every day. So I'm I am inspired by them, and I want to do better for them, and you know, ergo for us mm-hmm. um yeah that's what keeps me going my beautiful three animals uh mm-hmm. who are all lying on next to me right now um pit bulls are the best um and um yeah my, they are my family and so it's for them i i imagine a better world i don't know what that better world is but you know something where marginalization is not the conversation we have to keep having, but something of the past. Um, but again, um, I don't know what that looks like, but that's what I would have hoped for. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Not an inspiring thing to end on, but you know, <laughs> my community, my community keeps me going and I, my community is what I exist for. Yeah. I, I would argue that it is inspiring for a lot of people <laughs> shared um, with you um, so yes, thank you again for, for speaking on your experiences today. I loved having you and interviewing you and hope to speak with you again. Absolutely. Thank Bye-bye. you so much.